0: honestly i i was looking at myself in the zoom box and i'm like big glow-ups big glow-ups since the uh the first episode you know it's like time has passed i'm wearing a blazer now i have facial hair you feel like you feel like time has passed but we won't get into that until the next episode the finale
1: you're listening to Marketing Major with Alex and Mo.
0: A podcast by students for people who are curious about marketing.
1: And the gang is back.
2: Hello.
1: Hey, hey, hey. How's how's it how's it been? How's the final season tree y'all? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Giggles giggles in fear. Laughs
1: Laughs and tears. Laughs laughs and tears is
0: right. So
1: we know what you're probably thinking. Hey, it's not final season anymore. We know. We're in a pandemic. Give us a break. Just play along, will you? Now back to the show.
2: It's been okay. I wrote an exam yesterday. And I did. Okay, I did two things that you're never supposed to do. First of all, at the very end, I went back and like changed my answers for like four questions that I wasn't never. sure about, which is like, you're never supposed to do that. You're always going to get them wrong if you do that. And then as soon as I was finished writing, I like went to my notes and like checked to see if I had gotten them right, which is also a thing that you shouldn't do because it's over and there's nothing you can do about it. But I did that too. And every single answer that I changed, I would have gotten right, but now I got wrong because I think them. So Oh,
1: no. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. What's done is done. Mm -hmm. You can't change that anymore.
0: But real talk, I I very rarely, I'm not as brave to say never, but I extremely, extremely rarely look over an exam in full. (sighs) Like it just will not happen.
2: That's how you should do it. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like I like flagging questions. If I'm like not sure about them, flag them, come back to it later. Like that's like a different story, but like, yeah, (laughs) I don't know.
1: I mean, yeah, I, what I do is, is I'll do the flagging and I'll just like if I don't know it, or like if I'm stuck between two, or like I cross two yeah. answers on, I'm like I don't know which one of these two is it. It is like could be anyone because I really didn't study this. So yeah, you you just look
0: <laughs> at it and you're like you're mm, like hmm. these two are sketchy. I'll come mm-hmm. back to it.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I'll 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 flag all those and then I'll come back after I'm done and I'll I'll go through the flagged ones and I'll just like just briefly skim the ones that aren't flagged just to make sure I didn't like misread anything. But I won't really go over it and rethink it. But I only go over the flagged ones in detail and then I just rent it in because if I didn't know it two minutes ago, I don't know it now. You know?
0: Pretty much. I'm yeah.
1: I'm just much. not good. I'm not gonna I, it's not gonna do me any good. And like I'm pretty sure there's some like sort, sort of like statistics that tell us like if you change your answer, you're more likely to get something wrong. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm saying it backwards.
0: But no, I think you're is right. is the statistic.
2: <laughs> I am <laughs> yeah, no, I've yeah. heard that too. Like I remember, I don't know. Was it, like, either they were, like, preparing us for diplomas or something, or it was, like, one of those, like, guides for writing an exam, and it's, like, don't change your answers, but I don't know, like, the the actual statistical probability mm-hmm. of it.
1: There's, there's also, like, a like a game show theory. I forget what the theory's name is. Someone, someone listening is probably just, like, losing their mind. It's, like, it's called this, but I don't know it, but it's, like, you choose, like, three doors, and then... After you open the first door, there's nothing in it. You get an option like, do you want to change your answer? So, because mm. now there's only two of Do you want to change your answer? Do you want to keep it the same? And behind one is like a car. Behind the other is like nothing. And apparently, whether you change it or keep it decides like your likelihood of getting the car. But I forget the actual math behind it. Whoa. But I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to change your answer. If I'm wrong, <laughs> if I'm wrong, flame me. Everybody, just correct me. <laughs> publicly but I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to change it
2: yeah I think
0: you're right yeah how empowering is that just stick to your gut stick to your
1: guts I, <laughs> you reminded me of a, a really funny thought I had um uh, I'll just say it and then you can get to what you're going to because I'm gonna forget it I just think of like really random like taglines or like campaign ideas sometimes like just like for no reason so I thought it was funny if like a like a, a medicine that's meant to like treat your, some gut issue and the, the the campaign says your gut trusts us instead of trust your gut isn't that kind of isn't that kind of good isn't that that is that not good. kind of is that not a little clever like if I you like trust it. your gut and and this medicine trusts and your gut trusts this medicine then you should be trusting us you know it's like a logical thing I don't know someone hire me please I graduated a few, <laughs> few days ago I have good ideas I promise someone hire me <laughs> Alex go ahead
0: <laughs> no it was just funny because this is like the marketing equivalent to like explaining the punchline. Of like yeah. you say you're like campaign okay. line. you're like do you get it because, because but you're, you trust your gut and so if you if the gut chose that then you should and i'm just like wow i can't wait i can't wait until you're you're coming up with brand new campaign lines you're like do you get it because
1: (laughs) okay i get your point but also what else is a marketing pitch if it's not explaining what the hell the idea is (laughs) get off my back alex jeez i know you're stressed i know you're stressed out right now with all the stuff you have going on but you don't take it out on me okay
0: i'm just (laughs) you've been preaching all season you're like i can take it i can take it
1: you're right you're right i've gone soft I've gotten old and I've gotten soft.
0: But. I've been going. I've been going too easy.
1: <laughs> you have been. But you guys really do think that, like the whole your gut trusts us, is a good campaign, or yeah, Is that is that actually a good campaign. I'm being I mean, honest. Yeah, I
0: think you should cold email tums and get it going. <laughs> no, tums,
1: I was thinking like Pepto Bismol or something.
0: Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. It's ironic because my tummy hurts right now. <laughs> <laughs> I could sure use some of that stuff you're talking about, (laughs) Mo. Wow.
1: I'm I'm, going to clip that for the ad. (laughs) I could sure use some of that stuff. You're going (laughs) to trust
0: us.
2: (laughs) What does it feel like to be done?
1: I'm still processing it doesn't feel it hasn't really set in yeah I'll tell you that much like I still kind of don't feel like I'm totally done and I feel like mm-hmm. I don't know when that's good I feel like September is going to be the wake-up call where I'm like all right time to go back yeah. to oh <laughs> like no there's nothing <laughs> wait August is going to be just like September is that what you're telling me like nothing's going to change in that month so that's going to be what weird
3: the-
1: I'm like seeing yeah. I'm mean, seeing like all my friends like start posting other stories about like oh I hate final season. I'm like, oh geez, I'm like completely out of this. Like I can't even relate with y'all no more. So it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be strange. I feel like that I don't I don't think it you really figure it out until like a full year of just because it's a new life, I think. I don't know. I'm still so, I don't know. I don't know what you get. Like what do you think you're gonna be like once like well Janae, you're almost done. Like, what do you think it's gonna be like for you?
2: I don't even know um I'm nervous in the sense that I'm like okay I've spent my entire life putting way too many things on my plate (laughs) and then suffering and going through this cycle of burnout so I'm like either it's not gonna happen and that'll be great or I'll find something else that'll burn me out so hopefully that doesn't happen (laughs) but yeah I'm I'm ready to like just shut the brain off after work and actually have like hobbies and passion projects and like the energy to pursue those things and some semblance of balance that I hope actually exists in the real world but I'm not sure so yeah
1: no it's 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 difficult because at the same time while I do feel like I don't know what to do because I have so much time so I end up doing nothing, which is kind of ironic, but I also mm. am very, I'm also very hesitant to add something to my plate
2: because mm-hmm. I just don't
1: want to just get right back into it. Yeah. Blank so, slates
0: are hard. Yeah. Very hard. Because you feel very like hard. if it's empty and you want to add something, it has to be like, I don't know, it, it's not just like one more thing on the plate. It's like the first thing on the plate. And for some reason it feels so much more important in that way. Yeah. And I find that with like a new notebook, like when I bought a journal <gasps> so long yes. ago, I'm mm-hmm. like, I literally kept the journal on my desk for an, a calendar year because I was like, well, I don't want the first thing I write to be something stupid. Yeah. But it's like, it literally doesn't matter. Like once you have a hundred pages filled out, like the first thing doesn't matter. True. And so when you're like, I got three things going, what's a fourth. But when you have none, no things you're like, well, is this really worth taking on? Maybe I should wave or something, blah, blah, blah. It kind of becomes this weird thing.
1: It's, it's also the first time where, like, we don't have a template to follow with, like, how to use our time or, like, how to mm-hmm. go about our day mm-hmm. and our week. Like, for the rest of you, you're like, hey, you figure it out for once. You're like, I don't, yeah. know what to do. I don't know what to do. I guess I'll just, just watch, like, <laughs> TikTok for six hours and maybe I'll go for, like, a walk. It's research, then...
0: it's market research. It is. It is. I'm
1: familiarizing myself with the new social temp- platforms, um, so I could, so I'm able to consult clients in the future, um, uh, according to my uh, skill set and knowledge.
2: The other thing is like it's weird too because it's like the formula for high school to university to job, like after that, there's no, like, what does it say? Or like, you know, like, okay, I did that. But now what do I do? Like, now what's my next goal? And like, where does it end in this, like, staircase of increasing, like, tasks and scary tasks? Because the next step is definitely not childbirth for me. but. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I I think you might be skipping a few steps. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, jumping a little bit ahead
0: there. (laughs)
2: Like, what do I what am I supposed to like focus on now? Just living my life? I've never what does that mean?
0: Yourself. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah, live your life, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um and also like I think we need to stop telling ourselves that there's like a right or wrong answer for the next step either like you're you're telling me like oh i don't know what the next step is because i don't make like the wrong step
2: i don't know if there's a wrong step i mean True.
1: some might be like like don't go out there and just start committing crimes but <laughs> i feel like there are some reasonable options they don't have to like choose only one of them
2: what about minor crimes
0: <laughs> you know what i'm all this about this has those. been the marketing major podcast that's that's enough of that
1: this has been the Minor Crimes podcast. <laughs> um, no, I'm all for minor crimes. Go crazy.
0: <laughs> What's a minor crime? Is that like jaywalking?
2: I don't know. Drugs.
0: I think it might. I think it might be.
2: I think it is.
1: Yeah, oh, no. I say. I say, go out there and you jaywalk. Just be very careful.
2: I'm Just look always both ways. jaywalking.
1: Is that a pun on your name?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Do you get it? Because she said jaywalking because th- her name starts with a J. <laughs> and
1: you guys try to get on me for being bad at jokes on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, I'm not trying to like start the next segment of conversation, <laughs> but I feel like it sucks because my last thing on my like list of school things is like a take home exam so I can hand it in whenever. And it sucks because it doesn't give me like an end date to look forward to being done. Like, it's not like, yeah, I write my last final on this day and I'm done. So I could not literally be done. Like due date. It does, but I want to be done before that. Like it's not due until the 30th, which is like, I want to be done way before. So it's like, I could be done tonight. I could be done tomorrow night. I could be done on Monday. I just, I have no idea. It's and not it's, due till the 30th. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's and it's trouble. your last thing. Oh, no. that's trouble. Oh, I'm yeah, so glad you're not it's not me. touch it till the 20.
2: No, no, I'm I'm done. I just have to finish my citations. Thankfully. Oh, just just hand but... it in.
0: yeah. you are done. Discipline. <laughs> Bro, that's Like I'm done writing. I got writing. an extension. I was supposed to have I was supposed to have all three of my final assignments due on the 26th. And like it's a four-pager, a six-pager and a 15-pager. No, All due no, on no, the same no, day. No. And the 15-pager got extended yes. to the 30th, so the Friday. And I'm like Super blessing, thank you. But I'm also <laughs> still counting the 26th as my last official day because I don't want to deal with the 30th. So, right, I'm like, oh, the 26th is when grind time kind of ends, and then I just have one last assignment that'll kind of just chill trickle. the trickle, yeah. yeah, the last few days. But yeah,
1: yeah, I my last one was a take home too, and it just did not go as planned, <laughs> definitely left it a little. A little late and I was definitely
0: stressing out.
1: Um and yeah, I was working. On it, I was working on it like until like maybe like 40 minutes until it was due. Um so not really last minute, last minute, but yeah, definitely I had a I I made a I made a, a little bit of a plan where I would get it done a day ahead of time and just use last day just to relax, maybe do some make some edits. No no, I was I was writing vigorously on that last day. <laughs> Cause that's Dude. just that's just how I I know that's just the way the only way my degree can end is just with <laughs> stress, procrastination, and anxiety. Like it had to be that way. It's
0: like, it's like Harry Potter in the last movie where he's holding Voldemort and he's like, let's start this how or let's finish this how we started <laughs> together and just jump off of the cliff. It's exactly Wait, that's like how that. it ends. Well, that's not how the Spoilers. movie ends, but Spoilers. it's a scene in the final movie. <laughs> There's actually a lot that happens after it. That that's not mm. at all how they finish. So <laughs> that the lines like dramatic in the moment and then they have so much more to do after.
1: They they go on they go on on a quest to find the ring like it's a whole thing.
0: And true love. It just I'm so sorry, Mo, that it flew over Janae's head that you you let Harry Potter transition into Lord of the Rings? Yeah, it's okay. And Wait, what? didn't. <laughs> I love that when part. When did you transition? The part, I the part that. of Harry Potter where they go on a journey together to, to find the oh. ring, to destroy the ring?
2: <laughs> you caught me. <laughs>
3: Thank you so much for accommodating
2: of course
1: of course uh, we'd like to introduce you to Jenea. she's the third uh member of our team
2: Hi, <laughs> hello i wasn't able to join for the coffee but it's really nice to meet you
3: likewise thank you
1: first before i start how do you pronounce your last name i've been i've been running into my head a little bit but i'm not sure and i don't want to mess it up harito harito where's that from
3: uh, it's albanian I get Japanese a lot, but...
0: My Shakespeare brain autocorrects it to Horatio. Yes. Every single time.
3: Absolutely correct.
0: There's no logic to it.
1: It does sound very Japanese, though.
0: You're right.
3: It does, yes. It's not. It's a fully Albanian derived from our Greek ancestors.
0: Eastern Europe, baby. Right.
3: Where are you from?
0: I'm from Bulgaria.
3: Oh, my God. Hello. I'm <laughs> well, <myself>, a my friend. <laughs>
0: There it is. That's what happens. You find anybody from Eastern Europe, you're like,
3: no way. Yes. Hardships.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know Eastern Europeans were like so just just excited to see each other. I don't know. That was a thing.
0: I mean, it kind of depends. I think. I think it depends on the Eastern European, but like some some countries are like, yeah, we're cool.
3: Yeah. Whatever. It's all good. 100 percent
0: There's definitely some Eastern European countries that have had a little more hardships than others. And so that's why. They're like they're a little on guard, but especially Bulgarians. We're like, yeah, we're around. A lot of the drama happens around us. So (laughs) for me, it's always very like, yay! I don't know any of the beef that occurs. So
1: (laughs) just watching and happy to be involved. Well, maybe not so happy,
0: but just watching. Happy to be around. Happy to be around. Exactly.
1: Today we have Lori Harito, she is a PR specialist out of Toronto, and you heard that right, we are talking PR today, a little bit of a change of pace, uh, but we're still going to try to tie marketing in there one way or another. So Lori, I'll let you introduce yourself and just uh, let our uh, listeners know a little bit about yourself and what you do.
3: Sure. Well, thank you and Hello. Um, I am from Albania originally, (laughs) which is a nice starting off point. Um, So I am a former journalist um, turned marketer and eventually publicist. Uh, I have been running my own agency, Boulevard of Dreams, for the past four years. And it has been a very interesting time to navigate being on your own and working with Select the brands, um, trying to get their message across at a time when you know everything is changing and shifting for all players involved. Um, so that's my professional life, and in my personal life, I am a huge astrology geek and a health nerd. I know I see your face, which is great for a podcast. (laughs) Um, so uh, big fitness buff and when everything shut down in Toronto it was very hard to see all the gyms shut down or be completely eradicated
1: no we we made that face because we we talked about um, uh, astrology a lot in our last episode so it just a funny coincidence yeah we did oh, yeah. Gee.
3: okay and
1: it was with another Torontonian uh, coincidentally
3: if you guys have seen it but there's definitely been a bigger focus and reliance on it ever since the pandemic started as people sort of try to make sense of what is going on and when everything feels chaotic um, and there's like one th- a focus or thing that helps to put to shift a uh, focus I don't know you sort of tend to rely on it but I've been that I've been this way for like 10 years you know and It's sort of blended into my career because I tend to work with a lot of health and wellness brands and spokespeople.
1: Well, I really want to get into that. uh, But first, let's (laughs) take a few steps back because I want to go through um, like, well, where you went to school, what you did in school, because you started off in journalism, right?
3: Yes, I did. So I went to Ryerson for journalism um, and it was, yeah, kicked my ass um, I thought that, you know, to be a profil- prolific writer, it was just something that you had in you and therefore your passion would take you everywhere. So I got into journalism school and I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> and, um, it was very difficult, very hard. And in my second year, I was like, okay, because the teachers had their like teacher's pet and I was not one of them, which was such a kick in the, it's such a kick to my ego. So I was about to quit in my second year and actually go into PR. And it was my grandma who was like, no, absolutely not. You're going to stick to this because it's going to open a lot of doors for you. Grandma was right. She's always right. Um, So I stuck to that four years and uh, my first career I started at the Global News Newsroom um, when I was very young and digital journalism was just becoming a thing. Um, We were not consuming digital news as fast as we are now, Um, so there was a bit of a slower pace to how you got the news out, but I covered uh, President Barack Obama's inauguration, I went to Ottawa to cover when the Royals first came here as a newlywed couple. And guys, I was so new and so green, and I made so many mistakes. (laughs) Um, And as you do when you're in your 20s and you have nothing figured out, uh, journalism is a very hard world. It's very difficult. You have to have a tough exterior, which I just did not have at the time. Um, being in PR, (laughs) you have to have an even tougher exterior. So I think that journalism training was so key, so important. And the reason journalism helps so much is because PR and marketing is about telling a very important story and you have to know how to tell that and communicate it to an audience. Um, So yeah, 10 years later, I sort of went through marketing. I worked at Indigo for a few years, which I loved. I read a ton of books um and then i went into pr and left agency world because it's brutal and then i started my own company my own pr agency and it fit like a glove pr really truly fit me in a way that journalism did not
2: wow so like what was kind of like what drew you to pr in the first place like what was that transition like
3: To me, it felt very easy to connect the dots. And for the first time in a job, I was like, I get it. I understand what needs to be done. So typically in PR, everyone thinks it's, oh, just red carpets and glamour and Met Gala. And it's not. There's so much behind the scenes work that you have to do in order to get to that red carpet moment. Um, But it was, I, I... could understand how if a client had a problem, it became easy to solutionize it, to figure out a way to help them. But there's also that allure of um, getting, it's, there's an adrenaline rush you get when you see your client mentioned in a press article. And so when you see something on Yahoo News, when you watch something on TV, like 70% of that is placed there by a publicist. The news wow. that you are reading, a lot of it has been developed by publicists who see a trend and have a client and say, my client can speak to that trend. Here's how I'm going to restructure and reframe the story. And then a journalist picks up that story and wants to talk to your client about what they know.
2: Wow. wow.
1: So, so you're just kind of like acting as like the, the bridge between your clients and these platforms and trying to find the best fit for your clients. On
3: these exactly. Platforms. exactly. Got it. Exactly. And Got it. as you become a more seasoned publicist, you see that every single brand or client or company has a story to tell. So there are publicists that rep farmers. There are publicists that rep uh, represent, I don't know, like water companies. And you think, well, what's interesting about that? And as a publicist, you have to distill and find the story. So how can you plug what's happening in the world right now and make it relevant to clean water? How can you make that a story? And so a lot of stories that you see on CNBC, MSN are placed there by a publicist. And that's not a bad thing. And it doesn't take away from the authenticity of the news. It's just that there's a whole machinery happening um, to deliver that news.
0: So if you're like a publicist, sort of in that PR space, are you essentially... Seeing a story or something like that, and then reaching out and being like, "This is another place we can kind of take it," and kind of introducing the idea to the journalist to come to come to your client or to you to to kind of develop that story further. That yeah, that exactly.
3: Like? Yeah, I mean that's one part of a big piece of pie, mm-hmm. and you as a publicist are not only noticing trends and noticing what um, the writer writers are writing about. But you also have to be able to um, develop trends, you have to be able to predict the future and see what consumers are going to care about and then speak to those. Like 10 years ago, um, I would have loved to talk to the publicist who made oat milk, something that everyone talks about. And being able to be at the first of the curve when that is becoming trendy and getting your client um, in the news, if you're an oat milk client, Incredible. Um, So there's proactive pitching where you pitch a story to a journalist. You say, hey, my client is this and they can speak to X, Y, Z. And then there's reactive. So let's say there's a lot of conversation right now happening around burnout in the workplace, burnout amongst journalists. A lot of journalists are quitting because they're simply burnt out. I have a client who is all about employee wellness and workplace wellness, and he can speak to employee burnout. So I am reactive pitching. I'm going to journalists and saying, I know you wrote this story about burnout. I have a client that can say XYZ and that has this amount of data to support your story. And can we work together? And normally we do.
1: Um, i just curious because we we've covered a lot about you know what PR is and what a, what a publicist um responsibilities are. But I'm just I, I want to get into like the day-to-day and some of like the more nitty-gritty of, of what it's like. But first in that, in that. I guess in that trend like is that a transaction when that happens does anybody get anything or is it just like permission to use your client's name like how what goes into that process
3: yeah so there's no financial transaction unless you're specifically doing sponsored content so we're just talking about organic pitching um the clients have a publicist because Everything about publicity is that a client, a brand, or a person is trying to shape their image. And publicity and getting into media makes you as a person or a brand credible, and it brings awareness. And the more people that are talking about you, the more credible you become if it's a positive news story. Um, So the transaction is, listen, journalists are very, very busy, and they often need experts to speak and uh, verify the stories that they're working on. So we as publicists are not only offering them a person or an expert to speak on that topic, but most of the time we are presenting them with news stories and ideas. Um, You know, So one of the stories I presented to a journalist was the idea of Zoom fatigue during the pandemic. And I developed this whole narrative around what is Zoom fatigue, because I was seeing talk of it and whispers of it. And I had a client that could specifically speak to Zoom fatigue. That is very interesting for news outlets that cover Zoom fatigue because their audience and their readers are fatigued. Um, So the transaction is, as a publicist and a journalist, you are both helping each other. One, the journalist is helping my client get covered and get press credibility. But I'm also providing the journalist with a story, which they need.
1: If what you're doing is is helping... um tell us tell the story and to you know curate the image of your clients and to my knowledge that's what branding and marketing is all about how do those two work together
3: yeah such a good question pr is an arm of marketing and we are shifting the narrative and we have direct relationships with media and journalists whereas marketing and advertising that is more bought and paid for. Um, I typically work with brands to, you know, develop that strategy, figure out what their outcomes are. But mostly, most of the time they have a marketing department that has set their objectives, that has set their brand visuals and their tones. And then I work with the brand or the client to figure out, okay, what is your story? Like you've done that from a marketing perspective and it's very high level, but let's figure out a consumer level story. And I always say to a client, the fact that you exist is not interesting. You are one of many, but the fact that you're doing something and that is where the story starts. So PR is all about telling that story. Whereas I think marketing and branding is like really, I don't know, like it's more paid and it's more about your visual branding and your digital advertising, whereas PR is like, we got to figure out that story and tell it in an organic way. Um, And then something that marketing doesn't have the capability to do on its own, but PR does, is respond to um, crisis communications. When you're being talked about in a negative way, in the press because you have done something or there has been a situation like Exxon. um, But you guys are way too young to know that. (laughs) When there's a negative press story, it is on publicists to figure out how to reshape that story and manage uh, the communications around it.
1: Got it. So even when marketing messes up, PR is the one who has to come in and clean everything up and is responsible to fix it.
3: When do you think that marketing messes up? Like, what are do you have some examples of when marketing messes up? Because PR messes up too.
1: <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've recently I could the the big PR because they're always called PR nightmares. They're just like that's like a blanket statement. Whatever, whatever happens, a PR nightmare. Which I don't know if it's fair or not. I don't know how you feel about that, but but like it, recently we talked about Burger King and what they did on on Twitter, and that was a marketing nightmare because that was all you know, that was all their digital marketing, social media team were doing it. And then it was just a PR nightmare still. So I guess that would be an example. I'm like, how does that even happen? Is there no PR specialist in there? Just like, hold on guys, that's not a good idea.
3: That's a very good one. And I can guarantee you that not one of their PR and internal comms person was asked about that tweet before it was sent out. I think that was more of a marketing campaign that laddered up to their goals of being inclusive and in the know. And so they ran with it, and a publicist would have stopped and said, That's not a good idea.
1: I think, I think a six year old would have stopped and told me
0: that's
3: not a good
1: <laughs> idea. Don't think you need a publicist, but.
3: <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So in, in that situation, what happens is you bring in your internal comms team, your marketing team, and you figure out how are you going to respond to this? Um, and so, yeah, and we've, we've had incidents at, when I worked at internally at a company where CBC did an investigation on the charitable component of this camp, company and found some, you know, strange misgivings. And then they kind of made a whole story around it. And we were working all night even past the airing of that show to figure out what our internal communications was going to be and then what the external comms and how we would handle any feedback and, 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 you know, everything that came from that.
0: And that's like an extreme example of like that whole like reactive yeah PR where you're just, you gotta, you gotta move with it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I just think that PR and marketing go so hand in hand because all mm-hmm. of it is about, branding. And, you know, we even touch social media marketing and branding. Um, so you can't, you really can't have, nor should you have one without the other.
0: So what's the role, what's the role for PR then in like a social media space?
3: So it depends. I like to go in and do a full social audit in terms of, I mean, this is very similar to marketing, but how is your competitor doing? How are they speaking to their consumer? And then how does this consumer speak to them? And then in terms of social, it's sort of like, what is the story that you are telling via social media? Because that story can sometimes be translated into a public relations campaign or into a public relations story. And then, you know, I mean, just a simplified version example would be if you get a press hit and you're mentioned on CNN, you can actually talk about that on your social um, and use it as a press hit because it actually gives you more credibility and more uh, another story to generate on social media. Um, And again, it's just very exciting to see your brand featured on CNN if it's a positive story because it's like they are verifying who you are as a brand
0: so it's like it's almost like you're playing uh like pr plays a role of almost additional consultation to the marketing team sometimes if it's through a kind of audit scenario where you're looking at their branding their competitors branding and be like hey this is something we can improve or if they have a release that like a a campaign for like burger king was they could have used maybe additional consultation along the way to kind of to kind of vibe check it a little bit so it, it seems like that that is that a, a decent way of explaining at least part of your job with with the marketing team.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think there have been many situations, um, especially with startups or smaller companies, where they've hit a plateau with their digital marketing, their gen- marketing overall, or social media, and they're not growing in terms of sales, or they're not being um, discovered anymore by consumers. And so after a few years of doing this, that's when they come to me and they say, we need a publicist. We need that next step. We need a new way to tell our story, which is being told this in a similar way for the past three years. So if you're a clean beauty company or makeup company, and you've been telling that same story for three years, we're clean, we're vegan, we're organic. And you keep saying that same story on your website, in your marketing campaigns and on social. It runs exactly. There's nothing new. So what you need publicity, you now need someone, a publicist to come in and say, okay, I'm going to get you into Mother's Day gift guides. I'm going to start talking about the founder story. So how was, how did this product come about? What's that nugget, that very interesting story I can now send and take to like Goop or some lifestyle company. And let's start boosting your credibility. Let's have like a reignition of your brand. Um and that's how you we help a brand get discovered more.
2: It seems like there's a lot of like trust that's placed into you as a publicist. So how do you go about a establishing connections to begin with and then b building that trust so that the client can trust that you're going to tell their story in the way that they want it to be heard and a way that
3: people will react appropriately to? Mm -hmm. That's a good question, question too, because um, this may sound redundant. Every publicist says this, but it's the fundamental truth of publicity. Our relationships and our connections are everything. If you don't have good connections or you have a bad reputation as a publicist no one will take you seriously and that includes journalists and that also includes your clients um so you know fully on, to be fully honest clients start to trust you when you start showing your value <laughs> and that can be hard when your My job in particular is dependent on whether a journalist will write about my client. And so a lot of it is time and luck. Um, but yeah, you develop that very authentic relationship by being very honest with your client and saying, this is not a good story. You need to remove this and that. And we need to rebrand you. And here's how I'm going to get you into these articles or sorry, news stories. And that often works in terms of relationships with journalists are so important you provide value to a journalist by giving them a good story not lying and having a very well-trained client who is going to answer their questions and just like give them a really juicy good nugget of a story
0: right so does does the news the news relation do the news relationships come first or do the business clients have to come first then like do, are you are you more credible as, as like a publicist to the news sources if you have a lot of businesses that you kind of like work with or are you more credible to the businesses because you have a lot of news people you work with like chick, chicken or the egg a little bit oh,
3: i know that's what i was thinking when you're saying that i think a few things can be true Two things can be true. What worked for me is my relationships with journalists and having that journalism background. So there was an inherent uh, trust already built with relationships and that momentum only grows. One journalist relationship builds into another and builds into another clients trust you and come to you because of your relationships with journalists, but also because you've been able to prove that you can get other clients into those media publications. Mm -hmm. Um, And then journalists, they trust you if you consistently give them stories that they can talk about. Um, If you don't ghost a journalist, if you know the outlet that they're writing about very well, and if you know what they want to write about and you don't, like, they're, if you, if you're a writer at, I don't know, CBC, and you only focus on health news, like that's your beat, but then I go to them and I say, hey, write about my wellness clients or my makeup client. That's not a fit. They don't take you seriously. So you got to know, yeah, know the lay of the land.
1: Laurie, don't take this the wrong way, but being a publicist sounds extremely stressful because you're trying, you're trying to manage relationships <laughs> <laughs> on both ends, and then you're trying to control this narrative. And then there's a lot of factors you can't control that are applying to this narrative, and you're trying to kind of just keep it all together. Yes. Like, does, how, how, do you, how do you handle that? How do you cope with that? Like what sounds I'm getting anxiety just thinking about it right now. <laughs>
3: Okay, let's end the podcast right there because you literally summarized my entire story and what it's like to be a publicist. That's it. That's it.
1: We'll, we'll soundbite that, but I need an
2: answer. <laughs>
0: how do you, how do you... <laughs> like, that's all great, but let's, like, I need answers. How do you, how <laughs> you, I you, need to know. How do you go about this? Mo needs to sleep.
3: Tonight. Yeah, he sounds <laughs> like my client. Like, that's great, but when can I see a media hit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. um okay so you have to be a high functioning person like this is not a lazy person's job but for me I'm constantly chasing that validation that comes with I have a good story I have a good client and then when you see that story placed on CBC or Toronto Star or whatever your version is (laughs) um there's you get such a high off of it and you're like yes I what I'm doing is right I am telling stories people are liking these stories this is great um, being a publicist actually there's a stat out there and data that says being public a publicist is one of the most stressful jobs in the world um, alongside police officers doctors their jobs are much more important by the way and like directly affect people's lives um, but we directly affect client's reputations look at me I'm totally trying to justify my job here
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) the the floor is all yours (laughs) go crazy
3: I I think that you really really have to enjoy the sort of like uh this very fast paced environment um but working with media you've got to love that you've got to love the highs and lows of working with media otherwise you're going to get resentful um and you just got to love being able to just like pull a story out of, you know, something very stale, like make stories and then have data to back it up. And then creating those relationships with journalists is key. But I'm telling you guys, it's, it's the thing, like when you get someone in CNN on CNN, that's what keeps you going.
1: See, so you, you gotta, you gotta maybe enjoy the chaos a little bit. You have to have a little bit of a a little, you have to be a little off, a little off to just like actually just love the chaos that's going on around you.
3: <laughs> and I'm telling you, there, I bet you all of you enjoy the chaos too. There's for sure you do. I mean, there's
0: times, there's times. <laughs> there's an element of that for sure. Are there, are there like smaller victories too, kind of along the way? I know you talk like one of the big motivators is when you get that big win with that, that big news outlet or the big client or whatever. Are there sort of, smaller victories, smaller goals that you hit that also kind of make you, make you excited? Or are you, are you the big player?
3: No, no, I think there are clients who come and who say, who have no branding, no story. Um, they don't even have an, a, bio, a bio or an about because they don't know how to talk about themselves. There are people who have an idea but don't have a brand yet. And then as a publicist coming in and making all those pieces fit nicely and saying, actually, you do have a really good story to tell. Here's how we're going to tell that story. Um, And starting to build them up in order to get to those bigger media, to get to that attention is very, very fulfilling um, and keep in mind, you know, PR is, th- is also product seeding. So if you have a product, but you're not well known, you can you have the ability to like, get it in the hands of a celebrity or someone who is very adjacent to the celebrity. So their makeup artist, um, their publicist and starting to build that credibility is really, really lovely to see.
1: So do you get clients who, like you say, just come with an idea and don't even like have the product yet or like the service figured out yet? Just have nothing? Just like maybe just in the maybe beginning phases of a startup where like, hey, we need a publicist start getting our name out there?
3: Yep. So yeah. it's their beginning uh, a startup where they have some funding, but, you know, they don't have like uh, seed level or whatever. Yeah. Um, or I have a client right now who is just starting her beauty company and they've done the research. So they're, you know, getting it into the manufacturing and working with them this whole way and knowing where it's going, how it's going to take shape and the types of stories that can be told around it and being involved from the very beginning is absolutely wonderful to see.
1: And I think that also makes your job easier because you're closer to the brand. So telling the story for you is even easier because you you saw the story develop too.
3: Yeah, and I think one more thing is like, sometimes there's a brand who either has no reputation or has a bad reputation. And then they bring in a team of publicists or one publicist who is able to completely shift their, their reputation. Um, and then people speak favorably about that brand or company you see it a lot in the fashion world um as one example just poach right now they were like kind of the losers of the fashion game and slowly slowly they're starting to build up their reputation um you'll see on twitter when a brand is being talked about negatively a publicist will come in and sort of shift that narrative you'll see a celeb who is on the out and out start doing a lot of philanthropy work posting a lot more photos of their dog um, just so that they can gain back their trust and the love from their audience?
1: Um, Laura, I think there might be something scratching or rubbing against your mic. Uh, we're getting some static. No, that's okay. That's okay. I just wanna, I wanna make sure that we figure it out. Are we good? Okay, awesome. Um, so how do you, how do you maybe it, might, it sounds like a loaded question to me, but how do you go about <laughs> fixing a, um, a really bad reputation with
3: clients? Uh, I mean, first of all, it really depends on what has happened and the reputation. If it is something completely unforgivable, and there are standards and boundaries where the public will never ever be on your side, um, I won't even touch that. Sorry, let's <laughs> just I think, um, the most recent example I can give you is, um, hold on. I need to remember the shrimp cereal. What was the shrimp company called cinnamon toast crunch and cinnamon toast crunch this consumer, uh, posted his photos where they had put sugar shrimp somehow, however, that got into the box. So for a whole day for 24 hours, people are only talking about cereal. That is a great opportunity for Cinnamon Toast Crunch to make fun of themselves, to get into the narrative of cereals, go on TikTok, post something fun. They did not take control of their story. I'm sure that for 24 hours, they were all in boardrooms with their, like, you know, really old senior leadership team trying to figure out what to do about this. And so instead, consumers and people on Twitter took control of the story and started mocking Cinnamon Toast Crunch and just completely obliterating them. And so in that case, they came out looking really badly because they were also gaslighting the consumer and being like, no, you're wrong. So as soon as something happens, address it in a positive way. If it's something light like cereal, you can make joke about it. However, in this case, one of the key questions that kept coming up was Does this mean that in every cereal box or people are not safeguarding the cereal box? Does this mean that it's easy to tamper with a cereal box? So that sort of narrative and story got away from Cinnamon Toast Crunch or from General Mills and became an even bigger story. That should have never happened from the beginning. Um, But what you do in this case to me, I think, um, should have sent the guy like a ton of cereal as an apology donated like 100,000 boxes to marginalized uh, and underserved communities, donate food, go out, make a big show of it. And as well, they have had to, at that point, take photos or do behind the scenes videos of how their boxes are safe and cannot be tampered with.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's funny how you mentioned, you know, being quiet, letting other people take control of the narrative, because even even other brands saw that as an opportunity. You know, everyone was talking about cereal, so let's get our brand out there, whether it be you know Kellogg's or whoever. And they were getting in on the fun on Twitter and like poking fun at those right? crunch and right? like, responding in the comments and stuff.
3: Oh my god, what a missed opportunity! And also because right now with TikTok, stories and narratives can get away from you very quickly because people will start posting about it on TikTok in a really funny manner manner. So you as a brand kind of have to be on top of that and know how to poke fun of your, poke fun at yourself.
1: I think that's been a theme this year of poking fun at yourself um, or of yourself um, with a lot of brands messing up during this pandemic situation and just having to apologize a lot. Speaking of the pandemic, we'll switch gears a little bit. Um, you are running your own agency now um, and Uh, just to give us a bit of a timeline because were you running it pre did it start pre-pandemic have you been running it for a while before the pandemic or was it just like bang bang you know as you as you opened your agency the the pandemic started how did that kind of roll out
3: yeah so I had been freelancing and consulting on my own for about two and a half three years prior um and then in early 2020 things had you know sort of I've been on a very good momentum And so I brought some people on and brought a few more clients on and literally signed three new clients in March, 2020. And I was like, things are going to be great. Uh, We even had a US and Canadian tour plan for one client. So everything that you shouldn't have been doing, we were planning to do, and then everything stopped. And I'm sure you felt it too, but it, there was so much uncertainty, I thought, well, there's no way that businesses are going to succeed and they're not going to need PR. Um, so March and April were a lot of like meetings with clients being like, what do we do? What do you need? Um, some of the, the contracts had to fall through by, you know, just the nature of travel. Um, so there's a lot of stagnation within the first month. And it's not just publicity, not just marketing, everywhere. Then I start to see a huge lift and pickup. up. Um, and things actually got busier in the last year uh, because brands need more consulting work. Smaller agencies, you know, people like me who are very flexible, don't have a lot of agency overhead. So our fees are, uh, are less. And yeah, it just got bigger with clients because they needed they needed an outlet. They need more credibility. They need more awareness in the press. And how do you do that? You bring on a publicist. Um, so it's just me and a very small team. I'm not one of those huge agencies, um, but it actually makes it easier for clients. And I don't know if you're noticing this, but a lot of uh, companies are actually, you know, sort of hiring internal comms or they're looking to outside consultants. So it works well for me.
0: So then kind of looking ahead, because you've had to shift a lot of of what you've, you've been doing in, in your position as a, as a PR consultant for a lot of companies, what's sort of the, the future for PR or at least the PR that you're looking to do, because again, it's changed a lot from a a tour that you were planning and all that stuff to, I guess, a lot more smaller consultation work. Do you see some of the things that you've kind of pivoted into doing recently? Do you see a lot of that kind of moving forward? Do you see yourself moving back into the regular flow? um yeah what's what's the outlook on that
3: i think pr and content consultation are going always going to be needed and required uh, especially because if you specialize within startup branding and pr or small business branding and pr like i do interestingly enough there have only been more um in more interest in startups right now. And small businesses, there's such a big shift in the focus towards small businesses. And those small businesses don't really have the resources to figure out their branding, to figure out their messaging with media, to handle media requests that come in. So publicists are a nice buffer to that. Um, so I think there's there's going to be more reliance on publicists and consultants for small businesses and startups. It's a really good area to be in right now. Um, and you know, PR is also we're doing influencer marketing. There's a lot of event marketing and PR as well. Um, and even right now with the pandemic, virtual events are still happening. Um, like Peloton, for instance, they will do a virtual event, invite key journalists and influencers, um, and then they'll host like a one-hour Zoom fitness workout. Publicists are very much involved in the organizing of that event if anything this pandemic has really taught us like you gotta be on guard it's true
2: it's true it's kind of like the paradox of like we never know what's gonna happen that's kind of terrifying but also you never know what's gonna happen
3: (laughs) so it could be (laughs) good you've got to go with the flow and I know some publicists or just people in general super high strung always trying to control everything again this pandemic has taught us anything there's very little that we can control
2: Okay, awesome. So I think we will move into our fun new guest segment. Um, So we're going to, and we always say that it's a new guest segment every time, Um, but uh, we're going to jump into a little bit of kind of on the spot crisis communications. We'll each come up with kind of a a scenario that maybe um, could happen. It might be based on a true story. I don't know. And um, just very briefly, um, and with no real seriousness just give us a little bit of a, an idea of how you might respond or what the best practice could be and anything like that
1: in, in these in these situations you are the publicist for these clients so well how is
3: fictional you... situation right
1: fictional, yes fictional absolutely <laughs> hypothetical fictional hypothetical fictional
3: hypothetical i'm not uh, giving small advice or consultation nope, do not take nope. her we her are, <laughs>
1: I'll make a statement. We are hereby not legally liable for any. Um, <laughs> for the marketing any... major
0: legal team has looked over this game. They have yeah. said that it's all legally okay. Exactly, exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, we're not liable for any decisions you end up making from the advice that Lori is about to give. Go ahead.
3: Oh my God, no pressure. If you're listening to wrong. a
0: university podcast for heavy business advice, you got a lot of stuff to rethink. <laughs>
1: All right, Jenea, start it off with the first one, which is funny, but go ahead.
2: (laughs) Okay, so completely fictional. Imagine, we're a year into a pandemic. Media is a constant stream of bad news. We scroll for hours just to feel something which only digs us deeper into a hole of negativity with only a short exhale of laughter here and there. (laughs) One day... (laughs) One day on Twitter, a user posts a surprising image in a bag of the beloved cereal brand Cinnamon Toast Crunch, <laughs> a man claims to have found I can't sugar-coated it. shrimp. <laughs> Amidst other sus-looking miscellaneous objects, <laughs> he begins a tirade which goes viral and suddenly everyone is talking about it. <laughs> it's so funny. I like... Obviously, we already covered what the best practices might have been, but it was just, yeah, we, <laughs> the I'm
0: second, not sure if we the noticed. The second you or, mentioned Cinnamon Toast yeah. Crunch, all of our eyebrows just shot up because we were like, ah, uh-huh.
3: <laughs> we're getting to no that. No one was saying anything about it. <laughs> yeah. I was like oh i lost them they don't know what i'm talking about no, we
1: did but we're just, we were trying yeah. to like manage our own crisis funny enough, off, yeah off on the side we're like okay what are we doing now
3: yeah <laughs> that is so funny it yeah. literally <laughs> came to me what are the chances
1: it's that's that yeah but I guess, I guess we have an answer unless you want to like give a different approach to how what you would do this time or we can just keep moving to the Own, next your, story, Own your story, joke about it before
0: somebody jokes about it.
1: Exactly. exactly. You. <laughs>
3: Take control of your story.
0: <laughs> Jeez.
1: Uh, so funny.
0: Also oh, very God. well written, Janae. I didn't realize I, I knew the topic the second you started reading. It, I was like, this is a storybook. Like I know. this is so pretty.
3: Do you Thank want you. to come work for me? Because that. Like, <laughs> incredible writing thank wow. you <laughs> we'll yeah. be in touch <laughs> and go talk to cinnamon toast crunch because they need a writer like you on there too yeah, a
0: couple of these are going to go from marketing majors to marketing graduate uh podcast so you never know cinnamon you never, never know be ready
1: yeah you never know <laughs> okay here's uh, here's the next scenario So your client owns a family run jewelry business, Um, the company's been doing really well recently, um, but unfortunately one evening at a business dinner. um, Your client has a little too much to drink and uh, makes some throwaway remarks about how he could sell the product for such low prices um, because quote unquote it's total crap. Um, so due to a slow news day, the next day, um, the media picks it up and there's a huge publicity storm, um, that costs the company millions of dollars. Your client comes to you as their publicist and they're like, help me. And you say, "Shit, okay,
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay. so obviously you need to make a statement, but what I would do is, so who leaked the story? How did they, we'd have to find out who leaked the story and how this came out.
1: So it was at a business dinner. So a lot of people heard it firsthand. So I'm assuming word just spread very quickly and it was heard through some networks and then somebody picked it up to a a news cycle. And from there it just snowballed.
3: Yeah. So you're obviously going to be doing damage control, which means no matter what type of statement you make, the people on social media are going to jump on it and they're going to say, yes, these products are low quality, this and that. My hunch is that the company is going to take a hit for a few months in terms of their credibility and their product. What that means is while you can issue a statement and they should, it is also going to have to now reverse its practices and be forced to have better quality products products, better quality manufacturing and products. Sorry, not ingredients. Materials. Materials. Thank you. Unless unless they can say that they made an offhand remark and then show and prove that the quality of their product is actually really, really good. Unless you can show that and do like a walkthrough of the factory um, or have like an interview, I would maybe if they can prove that they are very high quality and not what they said, I would even do an interview with a fashion designer or like a covet and talk about it. Once you sort of do that damage repair, uh, you have a rebrand of the product and the jewelry, and then you start seeding that jewelry and putting it on fashion designers uh, and celebrities, influencers, and just slowly start uh, infiltrating it into like powerful people and you may have to pay for that, but yeah, you got to take the hit, make a statement, do behind the scenes shots, do a little sob story, and then completely rebrand and put it on celebrities.
1: Yeah. That was a good answer. You're good. Boom. But <laughs> yeah. Next question.
0: Gone. <laughs> on <the spot>. <laughs> yeah.
1: I thought that would have stumped you a little more.
0: So, our, so this is our final, this is our final scenario. Okay. So imagine there's a company called Mikey who is a very (laughs) prominent player in basketball shoes. Oh, God. So Mikey just secured an exciting new deal as the primary jersey provider for uh, the National Basketball Association. Um, However, within the first month of the new jerseys, like their new season, uh, there has already been several instances of ripped jerseys in the games. Uh, Quality starts to become a question right from the start, and to make matters even worse, uh, a popular basketball player named Ryan Williamson uh, just blew out of his Mikey shoes in the middle of a basketball game. Suddenly, Mikey, you're quickly feeling like a hero to zero in the basketball space. So, how can they regain their basketball clout?
3: Oh, okay. I disclaimer: I have never worked for a Mikey, nor do I represent a Mikey. <laughs> uh,
0: me neither.
1: That's 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 clear and on the record
0: top of the it's off the top of the head I don't even know where it came from no yeah, I was just going yeah
3: no.
1: we're doing hypothetical yes. fictional stories here
3: <laughs> okay so this one I'm actually stumped a little bit um hmm
1: is it because they're an international going. brand or 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 what's what's the factor that's stumping you here
3: um because it is on a celebrity
2: mm-hmm.
3: so it's going to spread to even bigger circles than just fashion or sports. So now you are mitigating different industries, a lot of industries. Um, so actually for this one, since it seems to be an issue of cheap quality again, proven cheap quality, you, are, you have two options. Acknowledge that it was uh, cheaply made maybe you can place it on um, manufacturing delays or inventory delays that every business has been having due to the pandemic and the slowdown of manufacturing and shipping, but take full responsibility for it and say that you are now going to retract these jerseys um, and review the, review, sorry, I'm totally sorry, but review practices. Um, and then you just make newer jerseys. It's not the best answer.
0: It might be what kind of went down. Like you really, there's no real way to do it.
1: Yeah, but yeah. May, maybe because Mikey's just such a notable brand already, they don't have to do as much to to, to save themselves. You know, like
2: figuratively, your your,
1: your brand has, is if was there was a under, Mikey. If if there was one, yeah. obviously. Um, but yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, but I also think this is going to be covered in like Business Insider and oh, just sure. here and everywhere. So, to not address it would work against you, mm-hmm. which means you 100% have to address it. Yeah. And you have to work with that uh, basketball team to sign on to new jerseys. And then you do like a whole big PR campaign and launch event on the new jerseys and new uniforms and how great they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah okay good one good one buddy
0: <laughs> thank you thank yeah. you that
3: noggin's working there you go. Yeah. <laughs> giving, you, giving you a
0: run for your money
3: <laughs> right thanks Mikey <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh well not no that's been our brand new game PR nightmare Lori just hit every single one out of the park that was really good it's almost like you do this for a living uh, <laughs> <almost>. <laughs> um, that's, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of the marketing major podcast, Lori, this ha- was so much fun. Uh, this oh, is, this is, this you. is a blast and it was really nice to talk about something different for, for once and, and get some insight on, on what it's like to to live in your world.
3: Oh, thanks. You guys are superstars and rock stars. I can't wait to hopefully work with you or for you one day and you're all fun.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Lori.
3: Bye,
1: guys. Bye. Bye. Learn a lot about PR. I
0: learned, yeah, we really did. This was the first proper podcast where we did not go off of our notes. Like we just had real questions and kind of real flow of it.
1: I don't know if you guys grabbed any quotes or one down from the beginning, not really relevant not really relevant to the topic whatsoever but the quote is uh, grandma is always right because I do believe that grandmas are right more than they're wrong <laughs> and I just have to write that down when she said that because you know don't you just feel don't you feel so safe when you go to your grandma for advice like there's no way she'll do you wrong you know grandma got you
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I I really liked kind of talking a little bit about narrative and telling the story and I feel like it was like a a great um callback to our first episode of the season storytelling and marketing I'm gonna just goes to show like how interconnected everything really is like I feel like it's like for good reason that it's hard to sometimes differentiate between marketing and PR um and that's because it's it's interconnected you know
1: they are yeah but they still kind of It's weird that they have they have a sole purpose, both of them, but they kind of go about different ways of achieving it. Um,
2: Yeah. But I
1: think, you know, they both need each other as much as the other, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. one, I don't think Mm -hmm. one can survive. I think Lori did mention that one can't do its job without the other doing its job, as we Mm -hmm. saw with the Burger King debacle, where PR just wasn't (laughs) involved at all. We saw what happened.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It seems to me like kind of branding, marketing, and those things, it's all about like the formation of an identity, the formation of a community, whereas PR is about a narrative. It's about a story. It's about kind of telling people who you are, mm-hmm. telling people how you got where you are, telling people about kind of the evolution of whether it's your brand identity, whether it's the evolution of your community, whether it's the evolution of your product, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like, it's almost
0: like it's the more practical side of, of marketing in the sense of like marketing is, is very like, you're trying to display something. There's like kind of a Mm -hmm. visual, maybe artistic, creative kind of representation of a brand or a product or whatever. And then PR really works in How can we implement this into like new stories and more of like that real life that practical um element to have people latch onto it in a more substantial way if they need that you're right you're right it is a
1: lot more practical because i feel like you can also much it's probably a lot easier to measure like if you're doing it right or if you're successful like did you get a media hit did you get on cnn did you did is like the Is there a story, a new story out there about your client that's under a positive light, but when marketing, you're like, well, because now
0: that I'm thinking about it, Apple releases a new computer, a new phone. And like, I'm like, I'm going to believe half of what you're going to tell me, because obviously you're going to tell me it's the real deal. Right. But once it hits the sort of news cycle and you kind of start to see like the real world implementation of, I mean, I kind of use Apple, but of a technology of a whatever that then helps kind of that that helps its marketing a whole lot yeah yeah and it helps me believe it too because there's like now that we're outside of the controlled environment that is marketing and even though pr kind of creates a secondary controlled environment it it's still in the hands of media and mm-hmm. so it 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 is kind of orchestrated differently so now that i'm thinking about like every news story about a product every something like that like that that's pr at work yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, actually, I interact with it a lot. Yeah.
1: I I I was honestly pretty surprised when Lori told us that, like, what was it, 70% of OVC? what we see? Was it 70? Yeah, 70% of what we see is like put there by publicists. I always thought it was like the author is just like just writing and just, like, <laughs> like just going at it. Yeah. But yeah. but it's not. So it's kind of it's kind of wild.
0: I I, I mean, I came into this kind of wondering where the line was drawn, because I do see how they can be very closely related. <laughs> and so, especially with a like a, an idea like storytelling, marketers still tell stories. So where do we draw that line, right? Yeah. Between PR and marketing. Yeah. I found it interesting that like, she mentioned the whole stuff about social media audits, about um, finding a story in the real world or finding a different story to use and kind of playing almost like a consultation role to the Mm -hmm. marketing team, because maybe again, when you're trying to be a little more creative, a little more, I guess, abstract and and less practical in in how you design the image of a brand or a product, um, they need assistance in making sure that it can still relate back into the real world. And so PR kind of plays this important like consultation role
3: Mm -hmm. to
0: to marketers. Um, And it feels like it could be a it could be a very natural transition for somebody who's in marketing for a while to kind of want to move into that space. Like I think it's a very accessible thing for marketers to eventually move into later on, yeah, or even at the start, if that's more interesting to you. Yeah, maybe, maybe. It's kind of like chicken or the egg, right? You either want to start in journalism, (laughs) get a whole bunch of, get a whole bunch of kind of news outlets on your side or, you go, maybe go marketing agency route. You get a whole bunch of companies on your side and then try to try to work it that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: Who knows? It's cool. It is cool. Well, the, chicken or the egg. Chicken or the <laughs> egg. Uh, let us know in the comments below. So this has been the Marketing Major Podcast uh, covering public relations today. A little bit different. Um this had this was the second last episode of the season. So we're nearing the end. Um, we're dropping our final episode anytime time now. Um, and you might be able to see some. I'm not going to give you a specific day. You're not going to hold me to that time. I'm going to say I'm going to leave it nice and wide open. Um, uh, you might you might see a little guessing contest on Instagram to see if, if you can guess who the last uh, who the last guest is. And uh, yeah, make sure you tune into that for the time being. Thank you. Enjoy the beginning of your summer. And this has been the marketing major podcast.